5.18 again, paraphrase. In all circumstances, be grateful. In all circumstances, be thankful. In everything, let yours be a heart of gratitude. For this is God's way. This is God's heart. So that, uh, that quote from, for this morning when we were having the children's story was from Thomas Erskine. He was uh, a theologian born in the 1700s in Scotland. And in Scotland during the 1700s, the dominant expression of Christianity was a very strict, a very severe form of Calvinism. And in this form of Calvinism, one, particularly do- one particular doctrine took precedence, and it was the doctrine of predestination. And the basic uh, concept was that you are destined by God from the time that you're born to live out the life that you're going to live. Whether you're going to embrace the divine or whether you're not going to embrace the divine is determined for you before you're born. And so consequently, the unspoken assumption that underlies that is those who do not find their way to God, who are uh, finding their lives lived out apart from God, the theology also saying that then are going to be condemned to eternal damnation, were chosen by God for the express purpose of eternal damnation. So consequently, God created some people just to be props for eternal suffering and eternal torment And that was kind of the way that Calvinism was being expressed. And as we have said on our Wednesday night project, Rethinking Our Story, the whole purpose for Rethinking Our Story is because the story affects us. How we think about our story informs how we live and what our instincts are. And sure enough, that's exactly what had happened. Calvinism and the the expression of Christianity in Scotland during those years had become very severe, had become very harsh, had lost a sense of of an understanding of grace. And it was to this that Thomas Erskine responded. He wasn't originally trained as a theologian. He was originally trained as a lawyer. But recognizing that the church had lost its way, he rose to the challenge and he began to write. And he began to counter the heavy-handed theologizing with a beautiful series of of, uh, essays and books that were a beautiful expression of the essential nature of God being love. God is love. God is love. God is love. And that truth, he said, changes just about everything. The doctrines that we have that go so counter to this interpretive understanding, this, this idea of God's love becomes the lens through which we interpret our other doctrines. We have to rethink our other doctrines, he said, once we come to this place of recognizing how deep and wide the love of God is. That truth, above every other truth, changes everything. Now what he saw was that the New Testament was a pinnacle of the expression of this love, and so he encouraged people to read the New Testament so as to, and here's his term, excite gratitude within us, to awaken us to a sense here's one of his other things, of our high and holy worth before God. When we see the divine as love, we have to step away from the idea that God would predestine some to eternal torment. That just doesn't fit. It doesn't work together. So, recognizing that the church had lost its way, recognizing that 
the theology had affected the behaviors of the people. He wrote about the scriptures, he wrote about grace, and he wrote about divine love. And one of the more famous quotes of Thomas Erskine is this. In the New Testament, he said, religion is grace, ethics is gratitude. Religion is grace, ethics is gratitude. When we distill religion down, he said, in its most essential form, it is this, God's love for us and the love for God within us, the love for truth, the love for beauty, the love for goodness, and it is the love of God flowing through us to others. The love of God for us, the love of God in us, and the love of God through us. And this expressed the New Testament doctrine of grace. Religion is grace. Religion is the experience of divine love. Religion is the experience of this love in us and through us. Religion is grace. And ethics, then, is simply a response to love. How we behave, how we act, how we live, our morality is simply a response to this love. And that response is gratitude. In its essence, then, religion is distilled down to the love of God and the love of people and ethics and morality and the life that is lived wells is distilled down to an expression of gratitude for goodness and for life and for love, for truth and beauty. So, Erskine was saying, gratitude is an expression of how we live. It's not simply a feeling. Gratitude is an expression. The way that we treat people is a function of the gratitude that we have for the goodness of life. The way that we do business with people, the morality of the business that we conduct is an expression of the gratitude that we have for this experience of life and this experience of love and this experience of beauty. The way that we raise our children, the way that we think about and support our city's school district, the way that we think about and support our church community, the way that we think about and support our neighborhood, the way that we contribute our energies to the workplace, the morality that we bring to our life decisions, the ethic that we bring to our life as it is lived, the giving that we bring to how we live our lives, all of this that comprises the life well lived is a function of gratitude. And so this makes gratitude keenly important. This makes gratitude of the virtues one of the most important because it is the pathway into the life well lived. So if our eyes are blinded to gratitude, our eyes will be blinded to morality. If our eyes are blinded to gratitude, we will not tend to live the elevated life of virtue. If our eyes are blinded to gratitude, we will become unskilled in ethics. If our eyes are blinded to gratitude, our worlds will become narrowed and we will become stingy and we will become selfish and we will diminish life down to the lowest common denominator of me and my and mine. And so the ancients have always taught us to stir ourselves up to gratitude, not to wait for spontaneous bursts of gratitude, but to say to ourself, Self, I now stir you up, and I insist on you doing what it takes to see the world through eyes 
that are grateful and thankful. Every uh, Wednesday night when we gather, we uh, pull out this prayer sheet right here because if I'm never not here, I make sure that someone else does it. And we have a prayer to begin our meditation time and a prayer to conclude our time. And on the prayer to conclude our time, it says, Lord, may we be alive to your indwelling presence. May we sense the wind of your presence blowing and be carried by it. And then we say, may we be thankful and appreciative. (laughs) I don't think she likes me. (laughs) But I want you to know I like her. (laughs) And it says, may we be thankful and appreciative in all that unfolds each day. Now, we say that with eyes wide open to the very good chance that tomorrow we're going to go back to unemployment. Tomorrow we're going to go back to a diagnosis from the doctor that it's very frightening. There's a chance that tomorrow we're going to go back and face a life that is filled with stress and troubles and difficulties and challenges. And eyes wide open to that, we say, Lord, May our hearts be thankful and appreciative in all that unfolds each day. The ancient wisdom is to bring your soul to thankfulness, not to wait for circumstances to precipitate a response of thankfulness. We uh, come to thankfulness in the same way that we would take vitamin C in order to help our connective tissues be healthy. Nobody says to themselves, hey, I got a hankering for some vitamin C today. We take that for the purpose of feeding our bodies. We do it like we eat fruits and vegetables. I imagine there are some people who like fruits and vegetables. (laughs) But we take them because the trace minerals are good for our immune systems, and we do these things because they are good for us. We are enjoined by the ancient wisdom to be grateful because the lives that we live, the choices that we make, the, the, the lives that are informed by this value determined by this value, will be enhanced if we bring ourselves to gratitude. Our nation uh, was founded on a deeply spiritual set of values. And for all the wandering that we as a people have done, we're still a deeply spiritual people, and there is a heritage that has been given us as a gift. And one of those gifts is the legacy of a national call to thankfulness on a regular basis. Our national leaders began this process in the very early days of our nation. George Washington was the first one to call a day off to focus on gratitude and thankfulness. He did that in 1789, imprinting into the very DNA of our national life the idea that we would be grateful for blessings on a regular basis, the idea that we would take time to stir ourselves to thankfulness. And through a series of twists and turns over these 200-plus years since then, we have regularly called one another to times of, days of thankfulness. Now this week, our national life uh, has this culminating event of an annual time to live out those deep instincts within us. This week in our national life is a time to tap into a rich and deep meaning that has the power to transform us. But as happens with human beings, when traditions become traditions, 
the original intent and the meaning is often uh, lost in how the ritual of the day gets observed. Because we're going to do a lot of preparation and we're going to do some shopping and we're going to do a whole bunch of uh, driving and gathering and in the process of the hustle and bustle of all the things that come in the living out of the tradition, very few of us will take a time to be solemn and to be soul-searching. Very few of us will take a quiet moment at the beginning of the day before the preparations begin, before the football begins, before the gathering and the driving begins, to be alone before God and to stir our hearts to thankfulness. Very few of us will go through a litany of the blessings that life has afforded us because these things do get missed in the busyness of the execution of the tradition. During his administration, Abraham Lincoln issued many orders calling people to days of gratitude. Most of them were local calls for the closing of government offices to serve in gratitude. But in 1863, he made this national and he made it ongoing. A prominent magazine editor at the time wrote to his office and asked for an annual day for the whole nation to be thankful. And that October for the following November he issued the proclamation. And in that proclamation, he said things along these lines. He said, we human beings, we are prone to forget the blessings that life affords us. We're prone to forget what a blessing it is that we breathe and that we see and that we experience. We are prone to forget the blessing that comes from having bodies and having relationships, and having the experience of living days on this earth. We're prone to forget that. So, I make this day, he said along these lines, for us with a single voice. May we, the entire American people, in every part of our country, he said, even those at sea are sojourning in foreign lands, may we set apart and observe this last Thursday of November as a day of thanksgiving. But that wasn't all he said. Understanding the same thing that Thomas Erskine understood that somehow gratitude translates into an action that we live. He said this, and I recommend that while we are offering up our gratitude, let us also be penitent for our national perversion and disobedience, referring to the lives that were being lost in those days during the Civil War. And I commend to you thoughtfulness and prayer for those who have become widows and orphans and mourners and sufferers in this lamentable civil strife. Now you notice that he's taking this concept of gratitude and expressing it in ethics. Somehow what we recognize through this elevated vision of the blessing translates into care for the poor, the hurting, the wounded, the vulnerable. Take time, he is saying, to stir yourself up so that you don't forget the goodnesses of life, but express that gratitude by paying attention to widows and orphans and mourners 
and sufferers, the very people that Jesus encouraged us to care for, the vulnerable, the hurting, the wounded, and the needy. Hold them in your minds. Make care for them an expression of your thankfulness. Religion is grace. Ethics is gratitude. A few years ago, our family stopped going around the table at Thanksgiving saying the things that we were thankful for. Uh, It had been an alive practice, and then it started to feel contrived, so I stopped bringing it up. And to be honest, I think the thing my family was most thankful for was that I wasn't bringing it up anymore. (laughs) And I wouldn't be surprised if many of us don't do the practice of using the holiday as an occasion to speak of our gratitude. And I want to tell you that I believe that's okay. Obviously, I believe that's okay because that's what I've decided to do. Because as as precious as it is to speak words of gratitude and to express those things verbally, as beautiful as that can be, it's not the deepest expression of thankfulness. The ancient wisdom around expressing gratitude has worked out in such a way that it has a very practical outflow. It works out to be something you do. It does work out to be words you say, but sometimes they're not words of this is what I'm thankful for, but a word that is kind to someone else, encouraging to someone else, uplifting to someone else. Gratitude is expressed in how you direct your energies the way that you direct your monies, the way that you allocate your resources. Gratitude is best expressed in ethics, in actions, in morality, in service, in goodness, in the things that we do. So I want to encourage you this holiday, as Mr. Lincoln said, stir yourself up so that you don't forget the blessings that life has afforded you. You get to be, savor that. Appreciate that. You get people in your life that are precious. Stir yourself up to not forget the blessings of that. And then act on that gratitude. Tell that person. Write that person. Put some thought into expressing your appreciation of that person. Stir yourself up, yourself up so that you appreciate your food and your sleep and your sight and your touch. Stir yourself up so that you appreciate being warm when it is cold. And stir yourself up to appreciate the sounds that you get to hear in your day. And stir yourself to up to appreciate these simple realities of life, these simple beauties of life, these simple truths that are ours in daily life. Stir yourself up to appreciate and to be grateful for these vibrant yellows and these striking reds that have dressed the trees as we've gone through this fall. Stir yourself to gratitude and then express that gratitude in a very practical way. Do something to express your gratefulness. Do it this week. Do it this day. Do it this month. Something thoughtful, something that takes planning and takes thought. Something that takes intent. Something that takes sacrifice and takes time and takes energy. 
Aesop's fable today that I told the children had this moral. People of nobility are people of gratitude. People of character are people of gratitude. People who will care for someone with a hurt paw. People who will care for another. These are people of nobility because they are people of gratitude. Care for the hurting. Care for the wounded. Care for the needy. And let your gratitude be expressed in doing good this week. Let your thankfulness be expressed in doing good this week. Let this holiday holiday call you to a specific point of doing good. But also, as holidays are designed to do, let the experience of thoughtfulness that goes into this holiday expression elevate you so that the remaining 51 weeks out of the year you will have had stirred within you something that could elevate the rest of the year. For that is indeed the ancient reason behind the holidays. It's to elevate a value at one time a year so that we live it more thoroughly, more expansively for the rest of the year. So right now, I'm actually going to give you 30 seconds to close your eyes and think of a person that you know who is in need. Maybe it's an actual orphan. Maybe it's an actual widow. But more likely, it's a single mom or an unemployed friend or an underemployed friend who's discouraged or someone facing mental or psychological struggles right now. Make a mental note to express your gratitude for life by being kind and by being good. And I pray that you do come to a specific kindness, a specific point of goodness. But in addition to whatever you determine within your own life, together, as an entity, as a community, we can all express our gratitude by doing good with the food drive. Make a note for a special effort a sacrificial gift to the food drive. Go out of your way on this one. Express your gratitude by being willingly inconvenienced. Spend money that you could have spent somewhere else. Spend some time and some effort and some energy looking through the coupon sheets that you might normally never look at so that you can leverage the money that you have to get more food, more cans of food. Don't be limited by the 25 pounds per household Suggestion. Study up on how you could get more food for less money and see if you could get 100 pounds of food. That's what I'm going to ask my family to do. Spend some real effort expressing your gratitude by doing good. Make an effort to care for the thousands of people in our county and in the surrounding counties that are served by the food bank because this is the spirit of the national holiday. We do good as we are stirred to gratitude. And what we do during this season then elevates us for the rest of our lives. Turn your gratitude into a thing, a ritual that reminds you to be of noble character, 
A ritual that readjusts your perspective so you become of noble character. A ritual that realigns you and you live according to noble character, remind, reminding you to be a grateful person and enjoining you to be an ethical person, a giving person, a caring person. Let this holiday reshape how you live your year. Now, I bet you're busy. And I know that in our house, a great big swath of bandwidth has just been sucked out by bronchitis. And I bet that many of you have had great big swaths of emotional bandwidth sucked out just by the reality that you're going to have to be around your family this week. (laughs) And you've got struggles that you've not yet resolved. You've got arguments that are not yet taken care of. You've got old hurts and old wounds that need processing. And that just takes bandwidth and just sucks it right out of your life. And you are busy and you're retired and you've got stuff going on. And I know that some of us are facing underemployment, many of us. Some of us are facing actual unemployment. I know that finances are tight for many people and worries are big about the future. And with eyes wide open to all of this and in the face of all of these realities of your busyness and the stuff that you've got going on, nevertheless, I encourage you to this process. I encourage you to let something important go so that you can stir up gratitude. I encourage you to let something important go that you just couldn't imagine letting go so that you can fill that time expressing your gratitude by doing good. Even though you're busy, even though you're struggling, even though you're troubled. In all things, Paul says, in all circumstances, he says, including in the midst of trials and troubles and hassles and in the midst of all your busyness, stop what you're doing. Take some time, spend some energy being grateful. Stop what you're doing. Take some time and take some energy being thankful. And then make a plan of how you will express your gratitude by doing good this week. At the time that Lincoln issued his proclamation, families were losing their sons to war. Can't imagine anything more tragic going on than losing neighbors, knowing that your nation was locked in a time on your own soil when you were killing one another. And yet, he encouraged the nation to tap into this ancient wisdom to stir their hearts to gratitude and to express their gratitude by doing good. The spiritual wisdom of the ages has not been to wait for circumstances to make us grateful, but to stir up gratitude within us irrespective of our circumstances. So again, this week, this day, this month, this season... Change your vision. Change your soul. Elevate your perspective. Count your blessings. Be present to the moment. Savor the goodnesses. Be grateful and be thankful. And then, informed by that changed perspective, informed by that changed soul, informed by that changed vision. Express your gratitude 
make a plan to do good, execute that plan to do good, and bring some extra food for the food drive. Holy Spirit, may we be a generous people because we're a grateful people. May we be an open-handed, open-hearted people because we elevate our vision to something bigger than the hassles of daily life, the pain of daily life, the hurts of daily life, the busyness of daily life. Elevate our vision. May we become a grateful people. Be it so, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well,